Welcome back to the United Pubcast for your match review of Manchester United 2, Tottenham Hotspur 0. I'm a little bit nervous before the match, Larry, but um, at the end of the day, Tottenham are still Tottenham and Man United are still Man United and sort of normal business has resumed when those two teams meet at Old Trafford and Manchester United look far the superior team. The Tottenham manager confirmed that, um, saying Man United are far better than Tottenham at this stage and um, my God, it showed on the pitch. Now, there are a heap of talking points both on and off the pitch, um, off the pitch, unfortunately, as well. But we will sort of spend the majority of this podcast, I'd like to think, Larry, on the positives that we did see on the pitch. Because at, at the moment when we're putting the notes together for this podcast, it was just on the pitch for me. Now, unfortunately, a lot of drama has unfolded. Now, I think we all know in regards to what. But, um, Larry, Manchester United win first thing in the morning here in Sydney. Um, that's what mornings are made of. It makes the day a little bit better. Absolutely, Tom, and evening to you and all the legends in the comments. Uh, great, great game. Uh, I find myself now saying this every second week, which is a really pleasing thing. And the thing I find myself saying is United might have put in their best performance of the season. And that seems to the, – the fact that that statement keeps coming out every few weeks now tells you that the team is progressing in the right direction. We keep debating, were Spurs really bad or were United really good? At the end of the day, you can only vest what's in front of you, and that's definitely – the most positive Manchester United performance I've seen in seasons. Not just this season, seasons. Absolute domination of top quality opposition. It did feel like that. And look, I think that last line you make there in regards to top quality opposition, I'm going to get on to Tottenham in a sec. But ultimately, yes, we do put it in that big game category. I'm sure when they're selling tickets, it's category A type game. So it is a big game. We've won big games before. We beat Arsenal there, but Arsenal dominated possession. We beat Liverpool there a couple of months ago. Liverpool dominated possession. We've beaten Manchester City at, at Old Trafford on occasions. Never dominated a game like that. But now, and yes, we're going to get in the Spurs, and I really want to touch on them uh, because I think it was the two extremes: were Spurs bad or United were good? I think we were brilliant, but I think Spurs at the other end of the scale were at the bottom. And I do want to touch on um, Tottenham before we do get into all positives. That is. Man United, George, good to see you, mate. Good evening, guys. Could have been 10 0. Yeah, Laurie, so it was arguably man of the match when you do think about it. Could have been yeah, 10 0 if we'd been shooting yeah. at Jordan Pickford. Oh, Pickford as well against Newcastle. No, yeah, against Newcastle. Couldn't reach a ball in the top corner as well. He's got Elmer on putting goals in the top corner. Lads, what a game from Rob. I'm good to see you, mate. Remember, it's a football thing. He's live in about an hour's time. Make sure you go over there and check it out. George, good to see you, mate. What a game Anthony is turning into our Salah. I like where you're going, George, but calm down on the Salah chat, but I do like it. Add something different in attack. Hope we build on this. By the way, Ronaldo um, went to get fresh chicken off the grill. Ronaldo, I'm sure, will dominate a lot of the discussion, and rightly so, um, off his own back after this evening. Emad, good to see you, mate. Mike, good to see you in the chat. Um, Ashby as well. And just this bit here from Mike here, Larry. I mean, it's only Tottenham. We'll discuss them before the match in the preview. Lads, it's only Spurs. And yes, there is a banter aspect. Of course, it's, it's that's a just a bit of banter. It's obviously become a bit of a meme. Obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson's team talk, Roy Keane has spoken about. It is thrown out there at just sort of this one line. But I stand by it, and people maybe get sick of me talking about sort of narratives in football and storylines, but I truly believe a club's DNA is just it's ingrained in that club and things will just sort of prevail in terms of the way these narratives and these storylines and the history does sort of suggest no matter what happens with Manchester United, if we're finishing 10th, 11th, 12th for the next 20 years, we'll still be the biggest club in England. I have no doubt. I just feel that will be the case. I think no matter how successful Manchester City are, no matter how how many trophies they win, no no matter how good a football they play, no one will care. Now, yes, that will obviously grow, but I think in the, the core of football, I don't think Manchester City will ever reach that level of sort of relevancy amongst football fans. Tottenham, I just think will be Spurs. I think they'll be the perennial under underachievers. They'll get close, but not quite far enough. And I just think ultimately, yes, they could beat us at Old Trafford. They could have rocked up today and won, and they could win a trophy. They could win an FA Cup or something. Of course they could. 
But ultimately, I think this just showed the two two differences of the clubs, what Manchester United is and what Tottenham is. I think it sort of summed both clubs up perfectly. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. There is an element of that with Tottenham. There was a, a feeling that they might have turned the corner when they signed Antonio Conte. It was seen as a statement manager signing. A side or a team and a club that has always struggled to become into that top echelon of football's elite. Always flirting with success, but never quite getting there. And the fact that they've now gotten a top manager, or someone who is a serial winner, whether you agree with his methods or not is a, is a different conversation, but he's gotten Conte, and Emad's made the comment here, first time a Conte side has had to deal with that many shots over the 90 minutes. There is something ingrained in Spurs that just means they fall into mediocrity, whatever that is. I will say on United's performance, and I've flipped and flopped about this, were Tottenham poor? Yeah, they were. But United didn't allow them to be good. And, and I think that that's the important factor. We're so quick to give credit to the team with the ball. And we're also equally very quick to criticize our players when we're conceding goals. So why don't we give some credit to United on the other side of the yeah. ball and say, actually, United put in a good performance off the ball and didn't allow Tottenham to play their game. They weren't able to counter because Casemiro is one of the best players in his position. Maybe arguably the best player in his position in world football. And then on top of that, he's got a, an unbelievable defensive partnership that's forming behind him. And they just shut absolutely everything. Let's let's also remember Harry Kane and Son, statistically, yeah. best partnership in the Premier League. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. There's one more point I want to make. on. It's not a Tottenham podcast. I do want to get into so many positives in regards to Man United. But there is just one thing in regards to weighing up, were we good or Spurs bad? Just one or two more comments. Ashby, good to see you, mate. Elliot, good to see you, mate. I um, haven't seen you in the chat for a while, but hope all is well. I saw that photo of you today in regards to the Food Bank in New South Wales. Good to see you. Great feeling. Good evening, lads. Adam here from Man Cave, um, boys of at Futsal, but tuning in. Thanks for that. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm sure um, you'll enjoy a little bit of David De Gea chat. Now, da I don't think De Gea comes into any sort of discussion in regard to 3 2 but I really enjoyed what I saw from David De Gea today. I think one of his better performances this season. Crazy one. We've just been peppering the other team's goal, but I think with David De Gea was really good. Justin, good to see you, mate. And um, just that last bit on Tottenham. Were Tottenham good or were we bad? The word I had for Tottenham in regards to embarrassing and woeful and all that, it was unprofessional. We looked at Eric Ten Hag in those first two games against Brighton and Brentford trying to play out from the back and it not working. What did he do against Liverpool, the high-pressing Liverpool team? Launched it to halfway. Said, stuff it, let's play in their half. Today, when Antonio Conte and Tottenham were getting caught playing out from the back and they continued to do it, I thought it was just unprofessional. They were playing themselves into trouble. I thought United's back forward just saying, what on earth are they doing? We're just standing halfway doing nothing. And the way um, Tottenham just sort of kept playing themselves into trouble, I don't think our front three were fantastic in regards to their press. Sancho, Rashford, Anthony, I think that was a front three we had at bloody Man City, for God's sake, in regards to Man City playing out from the back. So it's the same front three. I don't think our press was there. I think it was the, the players behind them in regards to Bruno, Fred and Casemiro that really triggered the press and were sort of winning the ball. But Tottenham, in my opinion, were just unprofessional in the way they just kept playing in the trouble. It wasn't working for them. So what did they do the next time? The same thing. And I, I, the word I used for Tottenham's performance was unprofessional. I don't know if I agree with that, Tom. I, I get what you're saying, uh, but that's what's kind of been Tottenham's bread and butter all season. And, and they've reaped positive results. I think that's Tottenham's first loss of the season. Someone correct me if I'm Eventually, wrong on that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think so, yeah. so ultimately, I mean, you can say it's unprofessional. I'll go back to it. I think United were just so good. We seemed to have more energy than they did. 
We seemed to know every move that they were going to play. Let me put it to you this way. United were in a rich vein of form prior to the Manchester City game. For whatever reason, now whether we went long ball, short ball, counter-attack, possession-based, whatever United tried at the Etihad was not coming off. It was just one of those days at the office. You could, But we're not going to say United weren't professional. We're just going to say City were just simply the better team on the day. I think we need to give United credit instead of being pessimists or you know, sitting on the fence on this one and say, actually, credit where it's due to Ten Hag and the players. They turned around from Newcastle. And what we couldn't do against Newcastle, we got right in this game. Can I say, uh, the, the way we set up, I just want to go into individual performances before we get into 3-2-1s. Bruno Fernandes, I think he played a little bit deeper today, Tom. And I think we reaped the benefits of that. He actually formed part of the midfield as, as opposed to... Do you think to he played deeper? He definitely played a bit deeper. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'd have to weigh up and maybe look at what was his defensive was his defensive position and what his attacking positioning was. Now, I think Bruno was potentially one of the men of the matches. It'll be interesting to get everyone's thoughts. But in regards to where he was on the pitch, I hadn't really given it too much thought. But we will get into all things, man. You know, I just comment here, Red Devils down under. Good to see you, mate. Loving the fact Tottenham spoke so much crap and, uh, and had so much chess when we made them amateur. Glad to find Aussie Channel speaking United. Good to see you, mate. Do appreciate all the support, as always. But, um, Larry, here we are, all in hindsight. What a... Tactical masterclass it was by Eric Ten Hag, who did everything right. Now, before kickoff, and we see Fred's name on the team sheet, every single one of us go, what on earth is Fred doing playing? He doesn't deserve to be playing. This is an absolute nightmare. This is a disaster. Fred goes on to perform very well. So I'm just thinking, in hindsight, and it was the right decision. Ultimately, it proved to be the right decision. I don't think anyone agreed with it um, pre-match. So where do you want to sort of first put the praise? Eric Ten Hag, in regards to that decision, he could have played McTominay or Ericsson. Both were on the bench. Both ended up coming off the bench and featuring, so both were fit to play. But he has gone Fred, so where do you want to sort of point that um, praise? To Fred, the individual himself, who did perform off the back of a stinking performance against Newcastle, or Eric Ten Hag, in the belief in Fred or the the insight into what would potentially he would provide. Can I be a little bit negative, Tom? Are you going to allow me to do that? We're going to get there eventually at the end. We're going to get there in the end, so might as well start. I don't know if Fred was that good. I, I actually, I was paying close attention in the first half. And we were making a break against Tottenham. And there was a ball he put in, and the ball just didn't have quite the pace that it needed. I can't remember who it was to, but if you actually look at everything he does in the game, I still think there's an upgrade in everything he does. In I, I, of- I, I know what you mean, but I think it was more so what, what Fred brings, like what Fred sort of instilled in the plays in terms of that energy, in terms of maybe defensive, what that allowed others to do, which was proven to be the correct decision, including Fred. He's, he's an energetic player, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for the qualities he does have because there is a time and place for that. And I do agree that he did have a good game. But I just think that if I look at actually the fundamentals of his game in terms of his first touch was better today in terms of he did have the ball under control, seemed to very co- be conscious of taking a first touch um, as opposed to I think Fred gets a bit caught into what does he want to do once he has the ball. Sometimes you just need to slow the game down. You need to think, I'm going to take a touch first. Once I get my touch, I'm going to get my eyes up and see what the options are. So I think Fred did that a little bit well today. But what I will say is the shot is lucky with all due respect. I, I don't know if it was going to be on target. It's, it takes a massive deflection. It goes in. He plays a good game. Sure, he does. But am I going to say sit here and say Fred is suddenly the solution to all of our problems? Of course he's not. Well, I, I think that game. comes into the dis- I think that will come into the discussion later in regards to everyone at the moment was saying, look, Ronaldo didn't play and it's our best performance this season. 
Well, if we're using that logic, we have to say, well, Anthony Marshall didn't play its our best performance. Christian Eriksen didn't play its our best performance because Fred played over Eriksen. So I think it's important to sort of be a little bit balanced in regards to all those caveats. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'd have him in my three two ones. But in regards to just the sheer sort of personal side of things, in regards to how bad he was against Newcastle to come back and perform like that, both credit to Eric Ten Hag and Fred himself. I thought he was very good. And so they obviously had that chemistry with Eric Ten Hag. I just spoke about with Casemiro. Chris, good to see you, mate. Just driving home listening. Appreciate the support. Can um, I ask you a question, Tom? Let me ask you please. a question. This time next season, you're going to assume United are going to sign another midfield player. So if that's the case... You can only keep one, in my opinion, you only keep one of Fred or McTominay on your bench, really. Because you're you're going to buy a player to go straight into the starting eleven. So let's assume Ericsson drops back to the bench. Then you've got one of Fred or McTominay. After this performance, does your opinion change? Because for me, yeah, it's this performance, I, think, I think a lot of, a lot of people off the back of this performance, okay, we're better with this strike or we're better with this central midfield. It's one performance. It's going to shock exactly. if we go on. Are we going to go lose 2-0 away at Chelsea this week? Very likely, in terms of our record at Stamford Bridge. And then we're having a different discussion about these players. So over the moon with this performance, it doesn't give me... I'm not making any judgments, both positive or negatively, in regards to this performance. I've seen good from Fred. I've seen bad from Fred. But um, we'll get into... Like, we'll have to praise him at the end. But, um, yeah, definitely the answer for me in regards to that is Scott McTominay. I think exactly. if you had to choose one, it would be Scott McTominay. Maybe that's sort of personal reason, bias reasons. But um, for me, that's what, what it'll be. No, I, agree, and I think anyone who watches the game would agree. And, and that's the thing. I think ultimately it's a good performance from Fred. But if you're asking me, do you sell Fred at the end of the season, given he is in that, he's one of those players with the trigger the contract extension option, I still would lean towards that. No, Fred still, for me, needs to be a player who's on United scrap heap with all due respect. No, definitely. E Maddie with a point. Um, judge the game. Um, just played, though. We know he's not the answer like Eric Bay. I think it's a good example in regards to Eric Bay. We all knew he's not the answer, but obviously when he performed well, you had to give him the praise. And um, Red Devils down under here. Fred was a big reason. Casemiro and Bruno could play as well as they did. He's very limited as a player in all midfielder metrics, but today he actually didn't have um, anything poor in today's game. Is there anything in regards to, we will discuss what maybe one or two talking points within the match before we go into three two ones? But anything else sort of did stand out? We did touch about Tottenham and their um, sort of role in the performance, both positively and negatively. Anything else in regards to talking points in the match that you want to touch on? Everyone is playing well, except Jaden Sancho. Uh, he is, uh, without being too critical here, because I don't want, again, I don't want to, you know, put a blip in terms of on United's positive performance. We should be happy with this performance. Sancho seems to be the only one that's not humming in the same direction as every other player. It's the orchestra. Everyone's following the, the lead, but Sancho's playing his own song. I don't know what's going on with him, Tom. And I think he's benefiting from Martial being out because if Martial was fit, Sancho's going to find himself on the bench. I'm certain of that. I don't think that. And look, has he been great in the last couple of weeks? No, he hasn't. He has been below par, but I don't think it's bad as... People not making out, but I just think it's one of those ones. Other players are playing well around him, so maybe they're standing out potentially more than him. But I also look at, and it's very easy comparisons in terms of wide players or just attacking players in general. But if we want to just look at the left, look at Marcus Rashford. Okay, is he a striker? Is he a left winger? Join the debate we have every week. But let's compare him out to the left. And Marcus Rashford might look like more of a threat, which we both agreed on. But look, in regards to total football and how Eric Ten Hag wants to play football, the Ajax philosophy and Johan Cruyff's total football. What's the first rule of total football? The left midfielder doesn't lose possession. Who's more likely to keep possession, Jaden Sancho or Marcus Rashford? Jaden Sancho keeps the ball a lot oh, yeah. more. So I'm just thinking in regards to the team, he might not be standing out in regards to performances. 
and yet maybe a little bit below he's par individually. Too safe for me, Tom. Don't you yeah. think he's just playing a little bit too safe? I just want to see him take a player on a bit more. Yeah, but, but he might need to play safe to get himself into form because he's had a few games out of form and he might just need just to settle himself back in. Well, I don't think – well, with Fred, I'm very surprised he's gone from a 2 out of 10 against Newcastle to an 8 out of 10 against um, Tottenham. I'm very surprised. Jaden Sancho has been going from 3 or 4s out of 10s. I'm not expecting an 8 or 9 out of 10 from Jaden Sancho. I think it's potentially sort of a slow burner with a player like him. But a goal could change things. He puts one in the top corner against Chelsea. I think we might be having a different discussion about Jaden Sancho in the build-up to the World Cup. See, Emad's, Emad's made the comment here. It might be the only time Emad and I agree on something. But, uh, oh, no, I think he's talking about Bruno. Never mind. Well, we'll get into Bruno uh, in a little lots bit. Lots of praise reserved for Bruno when it comes to 3-2-1s. Don't you worry about that. Bruno is definitely in regard to 3-2-1s. Now, just what an attacking performance it was. Well, yeah, yeah, it was. Obviously, you look at the shots on goal and the where we played the game. We played the game in um, Tottenham Hotspur's 18-yard area. So, yes, you do have a look at what a attacking po- sort of positivity performance it was. Casemiro, a bit of a triangle, and you can include De Gea in this, make it a bit of a, a diamond, but let's look at this triangle in terms of Martinez, Varane, and Casemiro. Ultimately, Varane and Martinez didn't have much to do because the ball was in the other end of the field the whole game. But what they did do, at the end of the day, you did mention Son and Kane in terms of how productive they are and how dangerous they are. So when the ball did come to Son and Kane, Varane and Martinez dealt with it without breaking a sweat. Now, I know did, Kane did have a shot towards the end. I think David De Gea made quite a good save. That's going to happen with world-class players. That they're going to get chances from time to time. But ultimately, Varane and Martinez, and I think you probably have to throw Casemiro into that discussion in regards to the protective screen he gives in front of them. Yeah. Look, it's it's we're not going to win the Champions League anytime soon, but my God, it does look like... what look, I made a point in the chat today. It was just sort of just popped into my mind just for sort of a vision. Casemiro, it's a bit, bit weird and it makes no sense. But... um. He looked like a Real Madrid player playing in Man United's midfield compared to what we have had there in recent times, whether it be a Fred or McTominay trying to play that number six role, someone who's not quite up to it. When you look at the European champions and what Real Madrid have been doing for five years, think, oh, we could do with one of those midfielders. And it looked like we just took one of Real which we have, took one of Real Madrid's players and put them in our midfield, and it shows the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I say Red Devils down under, I agree, spot on. I've said I'd like to see Sancho deployed in the tent. I don't. My personal opinion is I, I don't. I don't see him as a wide player in the Premier League. I just don't think it suits him. I. I don't think he's quick enough. And uh, and I mind you, I don't think you have to be rapid to be a great winger in the Premier League. But he's, he he doesn't even have explosive pace off the mark. Like if you think of Giggs, Giggs at thirty eight years old, Tom, he could still beat a man because he was able to explode. Jaden doesn't have that about him. And I just wonder, did he just benefit in journey from Germany? Because it was a, a bit of a, a slower league, perhaps. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. But uh, look, on Casemiro, mate, he is world class. I, I said, I think it was in one of our group chats. He, he reeks of Carrick to me. Uh, different players. I don't think he's probably, he doesn't have the ball progression that Carrick does. He's, he's, a, he's a bit more dynamic than Carrick, though. And the, the best performance of a number six for me. When you don't notice, when they don't necessarily do anything that catches the eye, that's how you know they're brilliant. And for me today, there was nothing that was eye-catching about Casemiro. He didn't need to slide into a tackle because he knew where to be. He knows where to be. He knows how to anticipate. He protects the defense. He's got a good relationship with Rafael Varane on and off the ball. And uh, I think this guy is honestly, he he might be the, when we get to the end of the season, I know we've been full of praise for Ericsson and rightfully so. I think should United make the top four or, you know, go on to win a major trophy this season, it's Casemiro is going to be right at the heart of that discussion. 
Yeah, definitely. There was a shot with the left foot, which I missed, only missed the post by a couple of inches. And I, I think not to compare him and not to say one's better or worse, well, obviously Casemiro's got the sort of trophy hall to sort of back it up. But one play, maybe not as box-to-box as this player, but a bit of a performance that sort of ringed the bell for me was Nicky Butt. In terms of hard in the tackle, sort of driving the team forward, one, two, touch, give the ball to the other better players. I thought it was very, obviously, I was a big fan of Nicky Buck growing up. I thought it was a very similar performance to what he sometimes did in the big games. But um, the sports capital here is um, Munzee, so um, make sure you go over and subscribe to Sports Capital. Um, Fred should get the Ballon d'Or. Well, Fred definitely did look Brazilian, and we've been joking. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but also seriously, Fred and Casemiro could be world champions in a month's time, two months' time. So we've here sort of questioned an hour before kickoff, oh, this is not the midfield to take Man United forward. Well, if Brazil win a World Cup with it, it might be the answer. But that is a discussion for after the World Cup. But... Um, Whereas I, my mum's tuned in here, so my dad said your opinion did Ronaldo did appear um, a bit upset? Did he appear a, a little bit upset? Um, I'm joined the discussion a little bit later on. Um, there's plenty to discuss. I think he was a little bit annoyed, but um, we'll discuss that in a little bit. But more positives, Larry, before we get into the situation around Ronaldo. Um, three two ones. Usually after performance like this, yep, three two ones. Okay, man of the match definitely. Besides Jaden Sancho, everyone could put a hand up. Two players we haven't discussed, Diego Delon and Luke Shaw, I thought were brilliant. I thought they had fantastic games at fullback. You could easily put them in the shout. We just said Casemiro, Varane, Martinez. I think De Gea not giving him points, but in terms of playing off the line and his distribution was very good. Then you just go into that attacking third. Name off the hat. Everyone in the live chat, do get your thoughts. In my opinion, I would lean to... Ah. It's had in between Casimir and Bruno for me. Maybe the goal for Bruno maybe sort of edges it a little bit, but I think I'll be persuaded, sort of swayed by um, people in the live chat. And if you can throw up an opinion or two, um, go for it. I've had a think about this since I messaged you this morning, and uh, I'm going to go Bruno Fernandez as well. Can I say on Bruno, he has not been anywhere near as bad as people, one of who are in the comments, would lead you to believe. I think, uh, Tom, I said it to you earlier today. If you actually look at the chances Bruno is creating, nine of which he made today, by the way, nine key passes. If players were getting onto the end of what Bruno creates, he'd have 10 assists already this season. The reality is we haven't been able to finish, which is why we had a draw against Newcastle, which is why we've seen poor, poorer performances so far this season or inconsistent performances. I think Bruno's trying to figure out how to fit into this Ten Hag system and in terms of moving the ball and keeping patterns and shapes. Because uh, you can see Ten Hag clearly likes to play triangles, and I think Bruno's trying to figure figure all of that out. In terms of his his ball possession, you and I have agreed on the fact of he's not in he's he plays in a part of the pitch where he needs to be creative. You can't criticize a player for losing the ball when he's no at the higher end of the pitch. Sorry, it's just well, at this point here in the e-matter, you're sort of referencing the chat saying he's nowhere near as good as you would have people believe. I think it's one of those cases where in the points you make there, Larry, it's in between. He's not as bad as people at EMAD, I think, believe in terms of losing the ball. I don't think he loses the ball as much as people think. And in terms of those assists and created chances, I don't think it's as high as some of his biggest fans think. I think it is middle ground. And today I looked at in terms of his performance because me and EMAD were chatting before the match in regards to Bruno Fernandes. So I spent the first half hour really watching Bruno Fernandes. And after half an hour, I said, he's been brilliant. Spurs haven't got near him. And the, the moment I said that, he gave a pass away. But um, I watched him quite closely and I thought, yeah, it was one of those ones where, okay, the chance is created or he's creative. Okay, that's one thing. But ultimately, I was looking at the other things, his performance in terms of his positioning, his discipline and uh, discipline in regards to keeping the ball and keeping his shape. The moment of the referees, another thing, which I don't obviously 
know um, people who know me know I don't have an issue with that, but obviously it is um, an issue for some people, and I understand and rightly so. But his discipline in regards to his positioning and his press, I think, was there. So I think his performance was good today, and especially off the back. Like every player, we say, oh, they're a confidence player. Oh, he needs support. He needs confidence. Bruno's a human. He needs confidence play. His confidence has been shot over the last couple of weeks in regards to the abuse him and his family. Unfortunately, his wife has copped as well. So he would have felt that. And I think he needed a performance and he needed a goal, I think. Is it his first goal this season? No, he scored against Southampton. But uh, too. Yeah. I will say uh, on Bruno, he's down. He's, he's decline, if I can call it that, last season. I put that down to Ronaldo. I think they get in each other's way. And that's yeah. not to say Ronaldo's bad or Bruno's bad. I think you've seen Bruno's game digress because they occupy similar positions on the pitch. They kind of do similar things. And I think because of that, Bruno, if you think of the way Bruno plays and the way he passes, he looks for runners. Ronaldo's not that kind of player. I think if you got yeah. Ronaldo at his peak playing with Bruno, different story. But this Ronaldo just wants to get onto the end of things. He also comes deep. And then he, when he comes deep, he's getting into Bruno's space. And I think there's no coincidence that Bruno put in his best performance of the season with a striker who likes to make runs in behind. So there you go. But uh, look, that's just my opinion. And I think if Martial can, big if, if Martial can find a way to get himself fit, I think you'll see better statistics and better performances from Bruno. Well, definitely. Well, we'll just go into some 3-2-1s in regards to the comments that might sort of favour or sort of steer us in a direction in regards to two points and one points. But I think we firmly agree Bruno Fernandes for three points, but even he made here given a, given a point for Bruno, but Fred, Casemiro and Bruno. Ashby here gone Casemiro, man of the match, Lissandro Martinez and Varane. Martinez and Varane I wouldn't argue with, um, just in regards to, I don't want to say very bad in Harry Maguire played, but in regards to how good our press was and how bad Tottenham were, I think we could have dealt with Harry Kane and Son at the back with whoever, but Varane and Martinez I think were brilliant as well. Uh, Rob here, Bruno's given man of the match, Casemiro, Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw's definitely shout, which Elliot has gone as well, Casemiro. And Bruno for three points. Adam, Bruno, man of the match. Fred as well. Red Devils down under. Bruno, man of the match. Fred and Casemiro. And George, Casemiro, man of the match. Bruno and Fred. So the familiar names there. Unfortunately, again, we'll get in. You, you'll probably tie into the Ronaldo discussion in a couple of minutes in regards to Marcus Rashford. I thought Marcus Rashford had a decent game. Um, sort of led the line. Well, ultimately, on another day, could have had four or five goals. Now, on another day, with a different goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford's in goals. He de does get those goals. You do have to give credit to Hugo Lloris with some very good saves. But ultimately, Thierry Henry even got upset in regards to Marcus Rashford's finishing. There was one there. Um, he didn't roll in. He went for power and unfortunately missed. But we'll get into Marcus Rashford and Ronaldo in a little bit. But obviously, Bruno Fernandes for three points, I think we both agree on. And in regards to those other names popping up there, Casemiro is a lot of people's number two. Um, some people are getting down of the match. Would you be happy to go um, the Brazilian for two points? Absolutely. It would be criminal not to give Casemiro points. Like I said, the best mid, the best number six performances, Tom, if you don't notice them and you keep a clean sheet, you best be, you best bet they had a good game. And that's so this exactly introduction with Casemiro, when he came in, Scott McTominay was keeping him out of the team. Oh, what's Scott McTominay keeping him out of the team for? We've got to throw Casemiro in. But Scott McTominay was performing. Eric Ten Hag was um, sort of staying with him. Then ultimately, what did the Eddie had and Eric Ten Hag kept with Scott McTominay. Never said, oh, no, we should have played Casemiro. Has Eric Ten Hag been proven right in regards to the slow introduction of Casemiro? Now, it's easy to say yes because he's performing well now. But in regards to weighing everything up and one or two performances and results, however way they've swung, are you sort of happy with the introduction of Casemiro or do you think there still should have been a case where he should have been playing earlier? Um, look, it's it's a really difficult one. I thought McTominay was playing so well and uh, 
My, my personal opinion is if you tell a squad player after signing, after signing a player, you know, we're going to throw you on the bench. What message or incentive Cheers. does that squad player have to continue performing? Cheers, mate. I, I think I, I like what Tan Hag did because he, he put, he told Casemiro, I paid 60 million for you, but that, that doesn't mean you're a guaranteed starter. So he's holding Casemiro accountable and he's setting the standard early. And if you're a young kid like a Ganacho, like a Zidane Nikbal, that keeps you working hard. Because if the £60 million signing, who was man of the match in the Champions League final back in May, can't get a can't command a start, then what right does any young kid have? So I like what Ten Hag did. The the second we got disciplined or demolished at, at the Etihad, Casemiro came in and he's shown exactly why we signed him. This guy's a hell of a player, man. Like I said, if whatever we achieve this season, it's going to be down to Casemiro. I think he's absolutely vital. And we've missed a player like that since Carrick in his peak. No, definitely. So Casemiro locked in for two points. And one point, look, the name's in the live chat was sort of Luke Shaw, Fred. We kept a clean sheet. I think it'd be really harsh not to give it to a defender. But which defender split him? Who dealt with who better, Varane against Son or Martinez against Kane? I did like Martinez against Kane just for the, the visual of Harry Kane, Premier League striker, Premier League top goals. Not obviously, Harland's there now. But Harry Kane's obviously the English um, striker, leading scorer, typical Premier League striker, officer threading behind, can play. He's physical. He's very physical, Harry Kane. I wouldn't say Martinez, Martinez bullied him, but, but, but pretty much bullied him. Truthfully, I, that, that's where I separate them. I, and mind you, I think Varane's underrated on the ball. I think there was times today when we were playing out from the back. He put in really good – he handled the ball well, uh, shared the ball around well. But what Martinez does on the ball, he's another midfielder but in the defense. He's so good, so composed. And, it, and the switches of play from left to right, United were – we were dying for a player to be able to switch last season. The fact that that player is playing center back, and he's five foot nine, and he's dominating in the Premier League. Not just making it his own time, not just holding his own, dominating, keeping clean sheets. Mm. I think Martinez is a hell of a shot for one point. I think it's hard. Look, I, look, I wouldn't disagree, but then I think it's hard, maybe hard, Donald, one or two other players in regards to just how good we were at the other end of the pitch. Now, again, I, I don't even think his name has popped up in this discussion, not even once, even to go through and start 11s. Anthony thought had another, a very good game. Thought maybe. First time there was good sort of decision-making in the final. I'm not putting him up for points, but I thought he was very good in the decision-making. I think he got the assist for the first goal or he played it across to Sancho. I think then Sancho played Fred. So uh, I think there and I, there was that bit where he sort of ran Ivan Perisic in a circle. So I think one of Anthony's best performances as well, obviously off the back of one or two sort of potentially below-par ones. Martinez, to move on with the discussion, because obviously there's an elephant in the room we do need to discuss. And off the back of maybe the MUTV interview that um, Lucena Martinez did an interview and he's talking about the Argentina chant and how much that meant to him and his family. For me, that tugged on my heartstrings a little bit. So let's um, give Litcher and the Butcher one more point. Maybe you should have titled the podcast um, Martinez Butchers Harry Kane or something. But um, we'll go those for the three points, three, two, ones. We'll go Bruno Fernandez, Casemiro and Lissandro Martinez. I think Martinez is potentially top of the list. Uh, maybe he's overtaken Christian Eriksen now. But um, we haven't even discussed Ericsson in regards to to see coming in against Chelsea. Now, before we move on to the Chelsea discussion, whether we give that a little preview towards the end of the show, we'll see what pops up in the live chat. But the elephant in the room, and probably why a lot of people are in the chat, um, if you are in the chat and have enjoyed those three, two, ones. I've been trying to lose weight. Come on. Please do leave a like on the video if you did enjoy those three, two, ones and are fully behind Eric Ten Hag's reds. That would be great. And if you are new, if you could hit that subscribe button, that would be great. But, Larry, Cristiano Ronaldo. 
where do we want to begin? Because my God, this is a big story and it's developing over the a little while ago. It's come out that he's left the not only left the um, the field early or the dugout early, he's left the ground early. Now, I had concern, I had doubts over that in regards to getting all these things ready within thirty seconds, getting showered, getting changed. There's thousands of people waiting outside the ground. Um, no one took a video of him leaving early. I think that would have come out. I think the story is quite. Con- and this is not me defending Cristiano Ronaldo, but. Um, in regards to how this story has come out, it's very, very easy in terms of the leaving the ground early sort of thing. But we'll touch on that. Just the visual of him walking off first thing. Um, give me your initial thoughts. He shouldn't play for United again, Tom. If, oh, if, he, if he left the ground, if he left the ground, he okay, shouldn't yeah. play for United again. Oh, off the visual, we'll get into that because I have my, my own, not theory, but my own sort of questions to raise there. In regards, and this is not me defending or I think it's the wrong thing. I think Eric Ten Hag needs to come down hard on this. And forget the, forget the leaving the ground. That's another discussion. Just the first bit of him walking down the tunnel. Um, I think that's a, that's a visual from Ronaldo. That's him undermining the manager. So I think that's where Eric Ten Hag needs to come down hard on him. And, and I think he will. I think it's potentially a non-issue. He won't, he won't regard- be in the match day squad on yeah, against okay. Chelsea. I'll tell you that for free. That happens, but you say they're okay, not playing for United again. So I assume it's along the lines of disrespecting the club in terms of his behaviour. It, well, it didn't, forget the club, his teammates, his manager. He, he plays okay, he, with he, Bruno Fernandes and Diogo Delo, his Portuguese compatriots. It, it's just utter disrespect. He's okay, d- d- disrespect, and, and this is not me defending Ronaldo because that's I think he should be dropped now. I think Eric Ten Hag needs to um, take the stand firm. But in regards to this sort of not, not attack against in some parts, it is an attack against Ronaldo. I'm not saying you're doing that, but in regards to this this disrespecting the club, Paul Scholes refusing to play for Man United, is that disrespecting the club? No, that's Paul Scholes. David Beckham telling the paparazzi where to stand and slowing down and lifting up his cap so the ph- photographers can get the photos of his stitches so he can throw Sir Alex Fer- Ferguson under the bus. Is that disrespecting the club and undermining his manager? No, it's David Beckham. Now, I'm just thinking, I, this is not good for him, Chris Ronaldo. I don't like what he's done. But I just think not to play again. I think, well, bigger legends have done this before, not this, but disrespected or undermined managers and we've said, no, you can play again. I think the Skulls and Beckham situations are different because... They e- everything's like, different, but, but you know what I mean? Like, there'll, there'll be a different case to this. This yeah. guy is meant to be the leader, the, the greatest of all time. His United career is going to end by May next year. So there is a small window in which he remains a Manchester United player. His legacy for United and his legacy in the game is cemented. He could retire tomorrow and he'll still be in the argument for the greatest of all time. So does he not owe it to the kids who look up to him, to the kids in the dress, to the players who look up to him in the dressing room? Anthony looks up to Ronaldo. We've seen him speak so high, so highly of, of the Portuguese legend. How does Anthony feel when he sees the player he looks up to decide before the whistle has blown, he's going up the tunnel and out of the, he wants to go home? I'll tell you, Larry. And look, look I, I agree. However, I'm telling you as well, the players wouldn't care. It's a non-issue for the players. It's oh shit, what's he done that for? Okay, fair enough. Okay, bit they of an idiot. Tom, they would no. care because you have to remember. I think you, you look at a player like this that. benefit. I'm not praising Ronaldo for this, but it actually, in my opinion, again, this is not again. It's a wrong thing by Ronaldo. I'm not praising him. Ultimately, though, I think it benefits the players because now the players are they're not under any spotlight. The whole story is about Ronaldo. We can the players can get on with the business without any pressure. Again, that's not say Ronaldo's done that for that reason. Of course, he hasn't. But I'm thinking the players ultimately walk into that dressing room tomorrow. And they're friends with Cristiano Ronaldo. They're not going, oh, this dickhead sort of thing. It's not a case of that, in my opinion. I don't think they hate him or anything like that. But they would look at his behavior and say, what's his problem? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. 
and that, that's my issue with it. I just think, given his status in the game, he has a responsibility to be better. Plays I mean, in our treble I'm... season. Uh, plays in our 99 treble season. Could have said Roy Keane could have been better when he assaulted a woman and got arrested the week of the treble. But, yeah, he could be better. But those, those, that happens within dressing rooms. Look, I, I agree with you, yeah? But well, let's bring it back to when you're talking about players and higher... And look, players make mistakes. We've seen players doing stupid things for years and there will be more players doing stupid things to come. But when, when we're talking about in this specific scenario, there's a disrespect to the club, there's a disrespect to the manager, and this is a guy who is the literally the most senior player in the squad. That, that's where I draw the line. Now, you can talk about misdemeanors, criminal offences, etc. Yes, when Roy Keane did that, allegedly, before the treble, the, the final game of the season, he didn't disrespect Man United. He didn't disrespect his manager. He was drunk and being stupid. You know what I mean? And he's also yeah, a 25-year-old no, man versus a 37-year-old man. The, the, the level of expectation is different. Well, a comment here, and I'll tell you the one person who it won't look like it, or it won't feel like it, and maybe one or two tough questions and awkward press conferences won't feel like it, but ultimately, big picture, the person who benefits the most from this, who? Rashford, Martial. Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag and the club absolutely love this. And again, this is a bad thing by Ronaldo, but the club and Eric Ten Hag can just go, thank God he has done this because he's throwing himself under the bus. I think Ten Hag would, you know. I think Ten Hag would have such a distraction. Exactly. So that's a good thing. This throws Chris. No, no, that's exactly why he sees this as a good thing. Ashby, he's saying, not a good look. Eric Ten Hag loves to deal with this. Ronaldo should know better. In regards to Eric Ten Hag and the club, there's a power, power struggle. There's a battle between Ronaldo and the club. Now, is that Ronaldo and the club or Ronaldo and Ten Hag? There's a tug of war there. Someone wants to win, someone's well, going to lose. Ten Hag's winning. That's exactly. Crazy. So, Eric Ten Hag, this is, this is ideal for Eric Ten Hag and the club because that, the club, you look at the Laurie Whitwell story, come out saying he's left the ground before full time. Now, is that technically possible in regards to getting in after his. Well, maybe he didn't hop in the shower. He didn't break a sweat. What's he need a shower for? Yeah, no, no, definitely. But in regards to getting in the change room, getting all his valuables, I'm sure he does have one or two he valuables in the safe. Ferrari, it's fine. He's got another five. So, it, it benefits the club to get these stories out. It benefits his, the club now in regards to their bargaining power to paint Ronaldo as a villain, and Ronaldo very much might be the villain. But Eric Ten Hag can sit back, and there will be one or two awkward press conferences, but Eric Ten Hag, this is beautiful for him because if he doesn't want Ronaldo, which obviously the evidence suggests is the case, which from his point of view, rightly so, that's good, this is far easier to get Ronaldo out of the door than Ronaldo acting the, the great professional and scoring goals for Man United. If you're scoring goals and on the bench and supporting, it would be very hard to sort of get, get rid of him. But now in terms of sort of painting that picture, which Ronaldo has painted himself, I'm not sort of, Ronaldo's not sort of blameless in this. Um, Eric Ten Hag, in my opinion, is waking up thinking, thank God Ronaldo's thrown himself under the bus. Well, uh, look, if the club really want to back Ten Hag, let him leave in January and get another striker in. That'd be the statement. They won't, it's exactly the same situation as two or three months ago in the last couple of weeks of the transfer window. It's why they won't let him go. Because they have to buy a striker and Man United won't buy a striker. Which is my whole defense of the Ronaldo situation in keeping him. Get rid of I was first here on it when Ronaldo wanted to leave. If he wants to leave and we're going to buy a striker, go. See you later, Ronaldo. Fly off to Lisbon first thing in the morning. If the replacement is Jamie Vardy or Ivan Tony and to lead Manchester United's line to go win a Champions League, I don't believe that to be the case. That is why I would keep a Cristiano Ronaldo. But so ultimately I sit here and say Ronaldo wants to leave, Eric Ten Hag wants to get rid of Ronaldo. Good. See you later. Who's the replacement? I take Ivan Tony over Ronaldo at the moment. 
But in terms of the, be where we want to be, if Ivan Tony's going to cost 60 or 70 million, is that the player for 60 or 70 million? Or should we go and get a proper scouted player in terms of who Eric Ten Hag truly wants? Is he going to bring Ivan Tony well, to Ajax? I think he ticks a lot of boxes, Tom. He's, he's, know, he's, he's, he's very, he's very he good. He offers something different. No, no, he's oh, very good. Tony, I really do. I think he'd be worth the money. I, I, I really, really do. Potentially, and look, if Ivan Tony rocks up in a lesser side, what would he do in a side that's creating chances? I think I think I've just been burnt, and maybe it's the red and white kid. I don't know. A little bit lazy on my behalf, so I apologise. I'm not comparing him to Morgan Schneiderlin. Schneiderlin was running rings. He was Schneiderlin three three years in a row was man of the match at Old Trafford for Southampton. Rocked up at Old Trafford wasn't good enough. You can do it at clubs like that. Doing it at Manchester United is a different thing. Now Ivan Tony might come in and be suited down to the ground at Old Trafford and become a club legend. That might be the case but he also might not be. It's very hard when you're signing these strikers for big money. You need to be guaranteed because if you spend $70 million, what Manchester United have shown in the past, that's you're not getting rid of it. Look at the Harry Maguire situation. So I'm just thinking if we want to get rid of Ronaldo in January, good. I'm all for it. Who are you going to replace him with? And because I don't think there is an adequate answer and I don't think the club, I don't believe the club will find a solution to it, that is why, unfortunately, he might have to stay. I say, unfortunately, I'd like to say him say because he's a club legend. But if the bridges have been burned and he does need to move on um, for the best, for the better of both parties, um, it's still going to be a messy situation. However, it unfolds. I don't want to see him stay just because I think the longer he stays, it's going to hurt his legacy with the United fans. And look, time heals all wounds. But when you're walking down the tunnel before full time. The, the the fans in that stadium would not be pleased. I think the visual as well. See, I've seen plenty of players do it. It happens quite often. But what happens quite often is the dugouts are right at the tunnel. So players just drop out and they're down the tunnel within half a second. Now, Ronaldo obviously knows exactly what he's doing. This is a bit of a political statement by Ronaldo. It's a bit of a power move. But he, um, Old Trafford, the tunnel is in the corner. So there's a 50-metre walk. So obviously the cameras did catch up. If Palestri walked off, no one's filming it. Obviously Ronaldo, the cameras are on him. Now that's not defending. Again, it's the wrong thing for Cristiano Ronaldo to do. I would like to see him drop from the matchday squad against Chelsea. But it happens quite often. But it's obviously not a story when anyone else just sort of ducks around at the side of the dugout where the tunnels usually are. But um, that's enough Ronaldo discussion. Ultimately, it has been a very positive chat, Larry, besides that last five minutes. Indeed. Uh, and we look forward to Chelsea now. Massive game. Uh, and I think it'll really be it'll be a good challenge, another challenge, uh, and perhaps our, our biggest challenge since the City game. So let's see what United can do. But if you're looking up the Premier League table, United sit pretty calm, and particularly with a game in hand. So if we can go and get a result against Chelsea, um, I think that puts us in good stead. They're one position above us, uh, and I think if United can get the win, they, that takes them into the top four. So... I, I, I know the answer. I know the answer here, Larry. The question I want to ask. I know the answer is a result. Okay, you prefer to win no matter how it comes. But ultimately, in regards to our development, we're not winning a league or a trophy this year. Let's assume. Ultimately, bigger picture. What's more important? Now, I know the answer is the result. But bigger picture, what's more important here? Do you want to see that win at all costs result, or do you want to see a very similar performance? Even if we lose, are you going to be happy? with the performance like we showed against Tottenham, but we get down on the counter, we lose 1-0. Would you still be... Obviously, there'll be frustration, obviously, but would you say, no, hang on, no, that was good? I think we can beat Chelsea. Yeah, really. possibly. I just don't... Stanford Bridge, I just... I don't like. Look, I, I get all of that, but I think the way United are playing now, like, this doesn't... It, it's different. This is about systems now, you know? Like, before, it was about who's got the best footballers and getting the most out of those footballers. Sir Alex Ferguson wasn't what I would call a tactical genius. United didn't set up in a way that 
tactically blew teams off the park. We just had the better players, and Sir Alex Ferguson found a way to get the most out of every player. Nine times out of ten, they were on that pitch. And that's why we won a lot of games. But I think mm-hmm. when you're talking about going to Stamford Bridge, not an intimidating crowd, nothing like that. If, if United can tactically outdo Chelsea, I think there's every reason to believe we can get a result. Ultimately, I think a draw is a positive result and a realistic one. But who's to say United can't get the three points? I think we can. And if you look at who was rested today, he's clearly got an eye of starting Ericsson against Chelsea. Well, so, we, well uh, you say that, and look, I don't disagree, but you say that in terms of how we're going to approach Chelsea. Now, Chelsea, obviously, Graham Potter, I um, see his name in the chat a little bit earlier, Georgie Potter, due for a loss. I do love a due for a loss. I'm all, I'm all over those usually in regards to um, any managers and any teams. But Graham Potter is a manager who changes his system, changes the formation, changes how the team plays. Eric Ten Hag won't know that until an hour before kickoff. How does he approach a game against Chelsea? Is it Do we play like we did against Tottenham, really high press? Or are we away at Chelsea? Do we park the bus a little and look for Rashford on the counter? I'm just thinking, I don't know what the right or wrong thing is. I don't know what Eric Ten Hag will do. But just your um, hunch, what are you thinking? I think he'll counter because we're not at home. And uh, I know that sounds really stupid, but for whatever reason, and I know a football pitch is a football pitch, there is something in a home team having the ascendancy. You know what I mean? So uh, Chelsea are a confident side. They're playing well at the moment. They're getting good results. And uh, so I think, you know, given that the, pri- the, the pressure is on Chelsea, if United get a draw, it's a good result. Yeah. Chelsea are the ones who need to win as the home team. So if you're United, you absorb pressure, and I think you counter. It depends who's fit, though. I think Rashford is, you know, if again, if Martial's fit, I'd be looking to start him from the get-go. If not, Rashford up front against a side like Chelsea, I think you can definitely get at them. Particularly, I, I look at their defence. I think that's a defence that can get got at. So um, you, you, know, you talk about their, their performance and potentially a draw being a good result. I'll tell you what pain has eased over the last 12 hours for me. Again, not to be very happy with that draw against Newcastle, but because I saw in that Newcastle relatively good performance, ultimately let down by one or two bits of bad finishing, the result against Tottenham said, okay, against Newcastle, okay, the result wasn't there, but the performance was, in my opinion. So it will be easier to deal with that Newcastle one because ultimately Newcastle, they're not bloody Fulham or Bournemouth or something. They are a good team. So ultimately, we drew nil all against a good team with a good performance. Ultimately, today we had the good performance and obviously the good result. So um, there is progression there. Now, obviously, we do need that against Chelsea. And um, it's one of those ones. We're all sitting here, play this fantastic football, please, um, Eric. Ultimately, when kickoff comes around against Chelsea 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, we don't care about the football. We just want three points no matter how um, the goals go in. But um, that is 3 a.m. on a Saturday, on a Sunday morning, Saturday night. Now, Larry, I don't think – look, I watch all the Manchester United games live, but maybe count throughout the season. Maybe every the games I don't watch live, maybe on one hand throughout the course of the season. This is potentially the first one I'm not going to catch live. I'm on a Bucks weekend, so I don't know what state I'll be at at um, 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So um, I don't know what the podcast schedule is this week, but I'll try and catch the match. But the, the bad thing is for me, that's at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. But then the biggest card in the UFC of the year is on at 5 a.m. So um, it's going to be a long weekend for me. So I can't guarantee um, I'm going to be providing too much um, tactical analysis um, in our post-match pod. I just want to see the tactical analysis of uh, what tree you got stuck in over the weekend, Tom. But uh, you have a ball, and uh, I think United will be balling uh, against Chelsea at the weekend. And, and to answer Rob's question, when was the last time United won at the bridge? Yes, Rob, that, that's what that comment was alluding to. The last win against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, Tom. 
January 2020. Harry Maguire scored as the Harry Maguire's header. Yeah, I think the Rashford free kick was maybe the season before that. that, that in the no, league it was cup. the same season, but in the League Cup. The League Cup, league cup same season. Harry Maguire, God, his name hasn't come in. He's breathing a sigh of relief. He's missing all this sort of drama. Well, it's not drama. Maybe um, maybe he gets a game in the League Cup, but um, yeah, who knows what the latest with him. Um, he's not even on the bench at the moment, so it'll be interesting. Victor Lindelof's obviously taken that spot. Um, Captain Fantastic with the header in our last win. Bruno Fernandes corner. When's the last time we scored from a corner, for God's sake? But um, until then, um, hopefully everyone did enjoy the chat. Larry, any other talking points or United bit of news you want to touch on? Well, enjoy your weekends and uh, we'll see you for the review of Chelsea. No, definitely, mate. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And then um, I'm not sure what the fixture is after that, but all eyes on the bridge this weekend. But hopefully everyone did enjoy that. Please do leave a like on the video. That would be fantastic if you are new. If you could hit that subscribe button, very much appreciate it. And as I said, we'll be back on sometime over the weekend, hopefully discussing Manchester United 3, Chelsea nil. But um, until then, hope everyone has a good weekend and we'll chat to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.